Breaking news this morning, a body found overnight in Lake Austin. This is west of the city by Mansfield Dam. Around midnight, 911 callers reported someone floating unconscious in the water. And when first responders arrived, they found a person dead on the scene. After nearly five years, a Williamson County case involving a man who died during a traffic stop will start jury selection. Today, two former Williamson County deputies are facing a manslaughter charge in the death of Javier Ambler. Cameras for the reality show Live PD tagged along as it happened. Footage of the incident never aired, but officer body camera footage later surfaced. A lawsuit against a $354 million development along Lady Bird Lake will be heard in court today. The Taxpayers Against Giveaways and Save Our Springs Alliance filing that lawsuit against Austin. It's trying to block the second downtown development. That project is planned for the south shore of Lady Bird Lake. The case is set to be heard at 9 this morning. Early voting starting across Texas today for the March 5th primary. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Miller. I'm Sally Hernandez. You can head out to the polls starting at 7 o'clock this morning. We know the governor's going to be in BK at 8.45 in the morning talking about getting out there and voting at the Cafe Blue. And Texas, one of 16 states with an open primary. So this means registered Democrats and Republicans can choose which primary they want to vote in. Voters in Travis County are going to vote on the Democratic candidate for the county's next district attorney. Incumbent Jose Garza is facing Jeremy Silestine. He's a defense attorney and former prosecutor in the DA's office. Two Republicans with decades of law enforcement experience want to serve as the next county sheriff for Bastrop. Incumbent Sheriff Maurice Cook is facing off against Jeff Gogolewski. Keep in mind that the last day to apply to vote by mail is this Friday. Early voting ends Friday, March the 1st. Election day is Tuesday, March the 5th. KXAN is your local election headquarters. We've got a voter guide on KXAN.com. Everything you need to know before you cast your vote, including what you'll see on your ballot, your sample ballot, and where to vote. Find it all under this story on KXAN.com. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Welcome Tuesday morning to you. Let's start with a live look outside. This is our Ewell Kubota weather camera there in Georgetown. Clear skies, calm conditions for the most part. Temperatures on the cool side, yes, but not nearly as cold as what we had yesterday. 43 degrees up in Williamson County at the moment. 44 in Marble Falls, 39 in Lano, 48 in Austin, 49 in Bastrop. Temperature difference, that's a good 5 to 10 degrees warmer, if not even 10 to 15 degrees warmer east of I-35 compared to where we were yesterday at this time. Looking forward, we can expect those 30s and 40s to climb to the low 50s by the later part of the morning. Lunchtime temperatures in the low 70s eventually we're on our way to the upper 70s, getting very close to 80 degrees today. Coming up, we've got warmer days and nights ahead. Yes, it gets better than this, but we will have to watch for some morning fog here getting into tomorrow uh, and, and again on Thursday. Could even see a little bit out there this morning. I haven't seen anything too distracting yet though. I've got my eye on it for you. Late week cold front on the way. This is going to be more of a wind maker than anything else, but a small dip in the temperatures heading into the weekend. We'll talk more about it coming up in your first morning forecast. Thank you, Kristen. Austin's mayor wants to clean up how Austin produces its power. That's right. It's Austin's biggest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. And according to the mayor, 
he wants out. We're talking about the Fayette Power Plant. That's a coal-fired power plant. The environment and the health risks are some of the reasons that Mayor Kirk Watson, Watson called on Austin Energy to refocus its long-term generation plan to include shutting down Austin's portion of that plant. It's a goal Austin leaders have had for more than a decade, though, and one community has rallied behind for years. He's bringing the issue back to the surface now. We run our issues and our questions through the prism of how do we get out of Fayette Power Plant no later than January of, of 2029. In a statement, Austin Energy said that it was exploring its options. Meanwhile, the Lower Colorado River Authority, or LCRA, which co-owns the facility with the city of Austin, said the plant is, quote, important to the reliability of the ERCOT market. Given a little context here, we have some examples of the rest of Austin Energy's power portfolio. Austin Energy owns three natural gas plants in the area. The newest is the Sand Hill Energy Center in the Del Valley area. Austin Energy is also part owner of the South Texas Nuclear Project in Bay City. It also has wind and solar farm locations across the state, including customers sending solar back to the grid from their own homes. And then there is the biomass plant in Nacogdoches. That plant burns wood chips, so technically it is a renewable source, but also dispatchable power. However, the contract has a problem there. In 2012, the plant started sending power to the state's grid, but the 20-year contract and ballooning costs caused Austin Energy to buy that plant outright in 2019. Costs more than $460 million, but that deal is expected to save $275 million in the long run. You know, days after never showing up to school, Texas law enforcement announced a $10,000 reward for any information about that missing little girl from Livingston. 11-year-old Audrey Cunningham disappeared last Thursday before getting on the school bus. Authorities announced the arrest of the main person of interest. His name is Don Stephen McDougall. He has been in custody on unrelated charges. They have said that he is the last person who saw Audrey before she disappeared. There has been information found that there were some occasions that he, he did drop her off at the bus stop or even take her to school if she missed the bus. Uh, Madougal has not confessed. Um, he has been talking with some of the investigators, but at this point in time, he has not confessed. Investigators say McDougal's dark blue Chevy Suburban may have been involved. Authorities want anyone with information to contact the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Giving some depth here, according to Houston NBC affiliate KPRC, McDougal does have a long criminal history with more than a dozen convictions. The station adds those convictions include attempted indecency with a child and enticing a child. The Department of Public Safety says McDougal was a friend of Audrey's father and was allowed to live in a trailer right behind his home. Officials added on some occasions McDougal would drop Audrey off at the bus stop or take her to school if she missed the bus. Authorities arrested McDougal, as we mentioned, on Friday for a charge of aggravated assault in a separate case. When we could see glass pick back up after three police officers shot an armed student at a North Texas school. And the situation at the border is proving to be a positive for Governor Abbott's approval rating. How Texans are reacting to the state's actions on the border as early voting kicks off. 
Good morning, everyone. Good Tuesday morning, February the 20th, as we take a live look outside from our camera over in Georgetown at Ewald Kubota. Hope you're having a great morning so far. You know, students will be back at school this morning in North Texas after three police officers shot an armed student, they say, on a charter school campus. This happened in Mesquite. It was yesterday morning east of Dallas. Police responded to reports of a student with a gun on campus. Officers say they found that student alone in the office and they say they tried negotiating with that 16-year-old boy. Then shots were fired. Here's how one student describes what she heard. I heard gunshots. The principal, she was started yelling. It was right outside our classroom. She started yelling, put, the, put it down, put it down. And then it passed like a few minutes and all you hear is like the gunshots outside. I was like confused for a minute. I didn't know what to do because I was crying and shaking. And I was really scared now. I have to call my mom just in case. You know, neither the officers nor any other students or staff were hurt. And because the student is a juvenile, the police have not released a name or other information, but we do know that he is in stable condition. Still ahead, we're talking about a rare treat for people flying out of Austin in April. The flight you're going to want to be on if you want to take on the solar eclipse from the sky. Oh, cool. Long runs in Kansas State last night at Moody. It was a rough and tumble affair. Texas trying to come away with their 17th win. I've got it for you coming up. Happy Tuesday. Live look from our camera over at the Indeed building. To your news now, Delta Airlines is offering a unique way to experience the spring's upcoming solar eclipse. Yeah, the airline's going to be operating. It's a special flight from Austin to Detroit, April 8th, and that'll allow passengers to spend as much time as possible directly within that path of totality. Delta Flight 1218 is offering premium viewing. This is due to the aircraft's extra large windows. So the flight takes off from AUS just after noon, arrives in Detroit at 420 Eastern. At last check, the basic economy seats are already sold out. Main cabin, though, Comfort Plus and First Class seats all still available. Okay, but it will be the last total eclipse over North America until 2044, so you may want to spend that money. and will last more than twice as long as the one that we saw back in 2017. That's going to be a different kind of viewing experience. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Is that Listen, dangerous? I'm, I'm out. I'm out on that day. If I can walk outside my backyard and see it, one, I'm going to spend $1,000 well. sitting on a I know. I think I saw the cheapest ticket I, I looked this morning. Yeah. It was around 700 bucks. Yeah. But I'm with you. Let's see yeah. this from the ground. <laughs> Central Texas, like, we are sitting pretty yes, where we are exactly. as far as we don't this eclipse. Don't 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 this. this is for everybody else who won't get that <laughs> view mm -hmm. that we will. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast today. Obviously, as we get closer to April 8th, we're really going to narrow in on what that forecast will look like for the eclipse. And, man, I hope it's, it's going to cooperate because we will be in the path of totality for a good chunk of Central Texas. Right now, clouds and radar quiet. Today is going to be a really nice day. Friends, we've got our Indeed domain camera showing clear skies above Austin. I've been watching for some patchy fog in our eastern counties, some slight reductions in visibility, but most of it, you'll be just fine driving through this morning. So I think the fog will be more of a talker tomorrow and Thursday. Temperatures this morning, not bad. I mean, given it's February, given it's winter, these numbers in the 30s and 40s actually quite normal. If not even some 50s out there, dripping springs and Blanco. But the overall trend here, 
showing warmer temperatures both in the morning and in the overnight, uh, or excuse me, in the afternoon hours, I should say. 79 degrees is going to be about 10 degrees warmer than what we had yesterday. Sunshine up top, winds underneath about, I would say, 5 to 15 miles per hour. Kind of like yesterday, they get closer to 10 to 15 in the afternoon, but it's not going to be a full day of wind. Tonight, we get down to 56 with south winds dropping 5 to 10. As far as that fog goes, if I show you your fog forecast getting into tomorrow morning, and see there the reductions, especially uh, Austin Metro eastward here with visibility potentially down to about two to three miles. We'll watch it, but I want you to just factor an extra five to ten minutes if you can to your commute Wednesday and Thursday morning just because it's likely we'll have at least a little bit of low cloud cover out there if not those clouds hugging the ground in the form of fog. High temperatures unaffected by those morning clouds, I'll tell you that. Upper 70s today and tomorrow. 80s by the time we hit Thursday, warmest day of the year so far. Then a cold front comes in, drops us down to the 70s. This front is not anything to write home about because you'll notice as we go day by day, we've got mainly sunny skies today, some morning clouds tomorrow and afternoon sun. We'll repeat that on cold front day Thursday, but there's no moisture for this thing to tap into. So it's going to blow through dry. It's got some breezy to windy conditions with it, dropping temperatures Friday, but we're still in the 70s Friday, Saturday, Sunday with mostly to partly sunny skies. The one cost of this nice weather is we're not getting the moisture we need. Seven day rainfall, big old goose egg there. As far as the numbers go, like I said, in the afternoon, we are just fine. Breezy conditions likely to pick up tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. Overnight lows, not a problem either. Low 50s to low 60s over the next several mornings. You'll notice we'll take those 70s, if not even 80s, all the way through the weekend. So start making some weekend plans. Weather looks to be very favorable. We'll continue with the 80s next week. Overnight lows far above freezing here in Austin for a while. Looks good. Thank you, Kristen. Churches across the U.S. are struggling with the cost of insurance. United Methodist Churches in the Austin area scrambling right now after losing insurance coverage they've had for generations. Yeah, a representative for a conference of hundreds of these churches says this is impacting places of worship statewide and even nationwide. KXN's JLo Washington found out what's changed and why it's so difficult for churches to find coverage. Always giving praise to the Most High. You wouldn't know United Methodist churches across Texas have been struggling to find new insurance to protect the very places where they worship. We were notified by the carrier in the fall of 23 that the carrier would not be continuing that coverage as they had found that it wasn't uh, I guess it wasn't profitable for them is the best way I would say that. Kevin Reed is the chair of the board of a conference of around 300 United Methodist churches. He says they've had a single policy plan for all of its churches with the same provider for generations until recently. Or we didn't have any choice but to go out to the individual churches and say, look, um, we need you to go out and see if you can find coverage because we can't find coverage for the group. Uh, as a whole. We have churches that still don't have coverage. How is this going to um, impact the work that these churches are doing for the community? They're still worshiping, they're still running food banks. The problem will be that if we have, um, if we have a severe storm, uh, you know, if we have a hail event, if we have a fire, those churches are going to, they won't be covered. Insurance expert Douglas Emmerick says it is not common for churches to lose coverage. The church might be able to obtain coverage by contacting uh, a local independent insurance agency. Frankly, even those people who have been able to find coverage have found it to be incredibly expensive. We 
are not alone. Jayla Washington, Go in peace. KXAN News. Damaging weather events have played a big role in rising insurance costs. The Methodist representative we talked to said that a lot of churches have faced losses caused by storm damage, which we know all too well, also fires. That had a bigger impact on insurance rates even before the churches lost their coverage. It's not something new either. Going in depth, state filings show insurance companies across Texas have dramatically increased home insurance rates. In Texas, they've skyrocketed 22% since the start of 2023. That's according to an S&P global analysis of Texas Department of Insurance data. It is twice the average national increase of 11% over that same time period. Some insurance companies aren't providing coverage at all either. We got a tip from viewers that insurers are pulling out of Llano County due to wildfire risk and a lack of available water from lakes and rivers. We spoke with Shannon Hamilton with the Central Texas Water Coalition, and she says it is a bigger issue making its way to Texas. The last I heard of um, areas of residents not getting insurance was California during their fires. And it shocks me to hear that that could be happening in Texas now because of our drought and our wildfire danger. For the people of Llano, they are being directly impacted by the lack of rain that's happened in the watershed. Hamilton adds that it's not just new policies that insurers aren't taking on, they are also not renewing policies. If you are trying to repel some pesky birds, you may be hurting Austin bats at the same time. An Austin nonprofit wants you to be aware of the impacts bird repellents can have on the wildlife, including Austin's bat population. Wanted to show you some video. Um, we're about to show it to you. You may be um, feeling a little icky after seeing it, but they're saving the bat's life. All right, here we go. The Austin Bat Refuge rescue four bats that appear to be covered in sticky substance outside a local business. They say the bats were unable to move with leaves stuck to their bodies because of bird repellent. When they can't fly, they plummet to the ground and they can die. Sometimes the bats will try to help themselves, but that could end up being worse. They do try to groom it off themselves. And if had they ingested it, none of these bats would be, would be alive. But um, they, they seem to be doing great right now. You know, their process to clean the bats includes corn oil and Dawn soap. Then the bats are dried and try to test flight until they're ready to be released. One of the four bats has already been released at the Congress Avenue Bridge, of course, and the other rescued bats will test fly later on tonight. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. Longhorns back at Moody Center. You figure this one's in that almost must-win category for their tournament resume. Taking on Kansas State and trying to avoid going three games under 500 in the league. Same for K-State. This was a grinder. Longhorns first half. They grabbed the lead, never trailed, but this didn't feel comfortable for Texas. Dylan Mitchell, the slam. They were up by five at the half. Second half, Max Acemus. He struggled Saturday, struggled last night shooting, but Texas gets the lead and then, well, Caden Shedrick with the flush. Seven seemed to be the magic number. They were on that lead for a while. Then finally, K-State with a little run. David Gustanson with the bucket. It's a two-point game. So 
Acemas off that little curl, knocks down the jumper. He's two points away, and then he hits 3,000. 12th player in history to score 3,000 points. Tyrese Hunter, he struggled from the field, but a big defensive play up by nine. And then good movement right there, the big slam from Mitchell. He had eight points, ten rebounds, and a scary moment. Kendall Weaver on the run out, and Day-Day Ames clocks him right across the throat. That's it. Flagrant, he gets kicked out of the game. Weaver hit the free throws. Longhorns up by 12. Looked like they might cruise. They didn't. K-State cuts it to four. Had a chance to cut it to two. They just missed. Desue with the rebound. He hit free throws down the stretch. And then, well, Texas trying to break one more press than they do. Desue, his final two of 20 points to lead the way. Hard fought, but much needed for Rodney Terry. Six-point win, so the Longhorns get to six and seven in conference play. You have to figure eight's kind of that magic number for conference wins to feel good about getting an at-large bid in the tournament. And now they go back on the road. Tough one on Saturday as they get to set to take on Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. Tonight, there's baseball at UFC Dishfog Field. Longhorns hosting Houston Christian. UT women back in action tomorrow at Moody against Texas Tech. UT softball, number two in the nation. Home opener tomorrow against Houston Christian. Back to you. Thank you, Roger. Austin FC fans can save some money. Q2 Stadium offering fare free rides on Cap Metro's Metro Rail this Saturday. Saturday marks not only the start of the MLS season, but also the opening, public opening of the McCullough Station right next to Q2. Austin FC will kick off its first home match of the 2024 season against Minnesota at 7.30 on Saturday night. Still ahead, when we could see jury selection begin in the case of a man who died while the cameras were rolling.